Just like dreams, movies speak in images and symbols, so it's possible to add layers of meaning to a film by interpreting it just like you would a dream, which is something we do commonly in depth psychology. In this mini-sode, I'll show you how to see a movie as a dream using The Wizard of Oz as an example. Hello, and welcome to The Stuff of Dreams. I'm your host, Amy Lawson, MD, practicing pediatrician. I also have a master's degree in depth psychology, specifically in Jungian and archetypal studies. My goal is to connect you with your dreams in a more fun and meaningful way so that you can interpret the messages your unconscious is sending. First, a note, if you haven't listened to last week's Minisode 3 yet, I suggest you do that first because I'll be building on its ideas of dream cures and pilgrimages to healing temples. So everybody knows the story of The Wizard of Oz. Dorothy Gale is an orphan who lives with her aunt and uncle, and she feels misunderstood. No one will listen to her. The evil Miss Gulch is trying to take her dog Toto. And after being caught in a tornado, she finds herself in Munchkinland and has to journey to the Emerald City to meet the Wizard of Oz to ask him to send her back home. You're used to hearing me say that when we interpret dreams, we often see their characters as parts of ourself instead of real people in real life, so that the story of the dream is really a story about our internal dynamics somehow. And the same can be said for movies, because often you can look at a movie and see it as the story of the lead character's psyche with all the supporting characters really representing parts of the protagonist's personality so that the movie becomes a message about the state of the main character's life at the time, especially his or her internal life. The Wizard of Oz is clearly a story about Dorothy and what's going on for her. So with her day-to-day -day farm life, she's feeling misunderstood, not appreciated, she sings the famous song about somewhere over the rainbow where troubles melt like lemon drops and dreams really do come true. And she's looking for an escape from what she sees as the difficulties of her daily life at home. She's gotten too familiar with it all. It's boring. I think this is a, an image of her wanting to grow and expand past her usual conscious ego. So when her dog Toto is threatened and Auntie M and Uncle Henry don't protect Dorothy and Toto, she decides to run away. And I think that's the first part of her pilgrimage. She decides she's going to leave home and set out to find somewhere better. If we take this internally, she's going to find some new parts of herself that she can use to stand up to Miss Gulch and keep her beloved dog Toto and find a better place. And then even though the fraud professor that she meets along the way tricks her into going home again by telling her that Aunt Em is sick, Dorothy's well on the way of this journey. And she goes home, but she's too late to get into the tornado shelter. And she's in the house when the tornado comes and the window knocks her unconscious. So she has a dream of the house flying through the air. And when the house comes down and she opens the door in that magical image where everything's been in black and white until the door opens and you can see color, she's in Munchkinland, which is very strange and very vivid, very different from anywhere she's been before. I think that's a perfect representation of the unconscious. She's already been knocked unconscious, literally, by the window in the house. And now she's in this strange realm of the unconscious as represented by Munchkinland. 
She has accidentally killed the Wicked Witch of the East because the house fell on her. And so Dorothy finds herself the new owner of the witch's ruby slippers. And that puts her in contact with the witch's sister, the Wicked Witch of the West, who wants revenge for Dorothy killing her sister and she wants the power of those ruby slippers. And she's going to pursue that through much of the movie. Well, witch figures can often be shadow figures. They can often represent parts of ourself that we've repressed. And I think it's fair to say that in this case, Dorothy, the kind, polite orphan girl, has not integrated her shadow in the form of the greed and the lust for power and revenge that the Wicked Witch of the West displays. And she'll end up having to conquer this shadow figure in the end. At the beginning of the movie, we don't know that the ruby slippers have the power to take her home, but we do know that they have the power to protect her from the witch. So already Dorothy has found a new treasure, a new part of herself, a new bit of protection that she can access. And already she wants to go home. So Glinda the Good Witch tells her that the best way to do that would be to go to the Emerald City and ask the Wizard of Oz if he will send her home. And so she starts on her next part of her journey or her pilgrimage, which is follow the yellow brick road to the Emerald City. And that takes up a significant portion of the movie. This is a pilgrimage. She gains some friends along the way, the Scarecrow and the Tin Man and the Lion. She has to overcome obstacles because the Wicked Witch is always trying to stop them with threatening to set the Scarecrow on fire, the poppy field to put them to sleep writing Surrender Dorothy in the Sky once they get to Emerald City. And here's where I'd like to bring in the idea that we talked about last week of making a pilgrimage to an Asclepian temple for a dream cure. Remember, we talked about that the ancient Greeks, when they needed healing, would go on this journey to the big healing complex around the temple and get their bodies and their minds right so that they could spend the night in the temple and get their cure in the form of a dream. But that wasn't just a quick stop in and get it. You know, this was a, a pilgrimage and then staying there for a while to ready themselves. And so I think we could make the case that Dorothy and her friends, as they're following the yellow brick road and going to the Emerald City, are in a way journeying to the temple for their cure because they think that the Wizard of Oz is going to cure them. They think that he'll be able to give the scarecrow a brain and the tin man a heart and the lion courage and be able to send Dorothy home back to Kansas. You remember how we talked about Asclepian temples were almost like a, a health spa. So when I rewatched Wizard of Oz and saw that scene where they're inside the Emerald City and they're taken to the room where they can get a wash and brush up and the lion gets his hair permed and gets a bow and Dorothy gets her hair done and the Tin Man gets all his dents buffed out and the Scarecrow gets restuffed with straw. To me, that was the perfect representation of getting your body healthy before you ask for your cure. The Emerald City could be a healing temple. But here's where the story digresses from the simple dream cure pilgrimage and goes into the hero's journey where they have to conquer some things first because the wizard won't see them. The doorman says nobody can see him and then the guard tells them to go away. And when they finally do get an audience with the wizard, he insults them and scares them all and then tells them that, that he'll only grant their wishes if they prove they're worthy by bringing him the broom of the Wicked Witch of the West. And that seems like an impossible task. 
But they set off and then Dorothy and Toto get taken by the witch's flying monkeys. So the three others have to follow them there and sneak their way into the castle to try to rescue Dorothy. If we see them as parts of Dorothy, then these three are lesser known, little used parts of her. The scarecrow represents intelligence and the tin man heart and the lion courage. And really, we know that the overtones of the movie are that the three of them and Dorothy have really been using those attributes all along. But the point of the journey and the pilgrimage is that they have to discover that they have those for themselves. So they're going in to try to rescue Dorothy from the witch's castle. And the scarecrow uses his brain to figure out that if the tin man cuts the rope with his axe, then the big chandelier will fall on all the soldiers and they'll be able to get by. And then the witch captures them again and corners them and sets the scarecrow on fire. And Dorothy's first action is just to protect her friend. So she grabs the bucket of water and throws it on the scarecrow to put out the fire. But some of the water splashes on the witch too, and she melts away and dies. And I think that's an important image that we can read as a dream for two reasons. First of all, what do we always say? Water is the unconscious. And so when Dorothy brings more consciousness to her shadow, the shadow gets neutralized, like by the water. And also, Dorothy didn't do this as an act of aggression on the witch. She did it as an act of love to save her friend. But the unintended consequence was that she destroyed her enemy as well. And I think there's a lesson in there about when we cultivate our positive attributes, sometimes they'll do battle with our negative attributes too, even though that's not quite what we meant to do. So they bring the broom back to the wizard, who I'm sure never thought he'd see them again. And he tells them to go away again, but Toto pulls back the curtain to reveal that it's really just a man working all of that machinery, trying to look and sound scary. And I think here we should pause and talk about Toto as a dream figure. Uh, we've talked a lot about cats on the podcast, haven't talked as much about dogs, but dogs often symbolize loyalty and friendship. They're pack animals who, you know, value their owners and value the members of the team. And Toto is really a character of connection in several places in the movie. So you'll remember when Miss Gulch steals him at first and is riding away with him in that basket on her bicycle, he jumps out and is able to escape and run back to Dorothy and be reunited with her so that they can set out and run away. And then when Dorothy and Toto get taken by the witch, Toto escapes and runs back and finds the three other friends so that he can lead them all back to the castle together. And then he's also the one that helps them to see the deception that the wizard is doing, pulls back the curtain. And in that way, he's connecting Dorothy and her three friends with the qualities that they so desperately desired and were already actually within them the whole time. Because you'll remember what the wizard does once they realize he's just a man. He can't give them their wishes through magic, but he gives them their wishes through common sense. He gives the scarecrow a diploma and shows him that he's been smart all along. And he gives the lion a medal and tells him that he's had courage all along. He's just had the wisdom to know when to use it and when to escape. And he gives the tin man a testimonial in the shape of a heart, pointing out that the tin man's actions have had a lot of heart in them too. 
So he promises to take Dorothy back to Kansas in his balloon. But then one more time, Toto makes an appearance. He jumps out of the balloon to go after a cat. Dorothy has to go after him and the balloon takes off without them. So it would seem that Toto had thwarted their plans this time. But really, again, he's connecting Dorothy back to herself because what happens next is Glinda comes and tells Dorothy that she's had the power to go home all along in the form of the ruby slippers. And all she has to do is click her heels three times and she'll be back home. And Dorothy realizes that she wasn't ready for that information before. She had to learn it for herself. Because if you can't find your heart's desire in your own backyard, then you never really lost it to begin with. And so she's able to take herself back home, not just because she thinks that's where she should go, but because it's where she longs to be. It's where she feels connected to. It's where she now realizes a lot of her values are. And so when you see this whole story as a dream taking place in Dorothy's psyche, which that middle part of the movie is literally a dream taking place in her psyche, you can see that it's a story about integrating those extra parts of herself and owning her own intelligence and heart and courage and ability for connection in the form of Toto and her feelings of connection to home through being able to get there by the ruby slippers. So in the coda at the end of the movie, she wakes up at home and we realize that this whole trip to Oz has been just a dream, that in real life she's been unconscious because she got knocked out by the window. And she wakes up surrounded by her friends and family, all of which have striking similarities to characters in Oz. Hey, that supports our dream stuff too, right? Don't I always tell you that when you dream about a specific person, it's because some characteristic or attribute of them is being used as a symbol? See, Wizard of Oz is like a dream. So she wakes up at home among this community of people that really does care for her, and she feels reconnected. So if we see Dorothy through the eyes of an ancient Greek patient, we could see her as seeking a cure for her sense of being misunderstood and disconnected at home and not being able to protect herself and those she loved. And so we can see this story as her pilgrimage to her Asclepian temple, which is Oz and the Emerald City. And in the end, she does receive her dream cure. She is reconnected with the people at home and with her place at home and with her own inner strength and power. So there you have it. That's an example of how you can interpret movies the same way as you interpret dreams. And you can add layers of meaning to them by seeing the stories in an even deeper way. I challenge you, next time you watch a movie, find some little part of it that you can interpret like a, like a symbol in a dream. It's a good way to practice. So thanks for listening to this mini-sode. As always, you can email me directly with dreams or comments at stuffofdreamspodcast at gmail.com. You can head on over to my website at stuffofdreams.fireside.fm to find show notes and links. And if you liked this, I encourage you to tell a friend about the podcast this week. Let's get more people fluent in the language of dreams. Bye for now, and I hope you dream tonight.